0: Hi, this is Jim Lesser from BBDO San Francisco, and welcome to another episode of the Fog City Chronicles. Today's interview is part of a series called The Women Who Run BBDO. Female leadership is such an important topic in our industry right now, and at BBDO, I've been very lucky to work with uh, some of the most dynamic leaders in our industry, who happen to be women, who are running offices and groups of offices. And I thought that if we could uh, pull their collective knowledge together, it might help to inspire the uh, female leaders of tomorrow. Today's interview is with Crystal Ricks. Crystal is the Chief Strategy Officer at BBDO New York. I think you'll enjoy hearing um, some of the the leadership tips and uh, just more about the journey that Crystal's been on Uh, starting as a very junior planner all the way up to chief strategy officer of one of the biggest agencies in our network. Crystal has worked for BBO for over 10 years and she has a knack for translating complex business challenges into compelling marketing strategies. And that's the line in her bio that goes out in new business, but I can tell you that's really true. She actually does do that. Um, During her time at the agency, she's led strategic development for some of our most awarded and talked about campaigns, including Snickers, Barbie, and AT&T. Yes, Barbie, for those who don't know, um, Crystal has been part of the Barbie team since the very beginning. In fact, since the day that she and I first walked into Mattel to pitch it. And, um, and so she's been the strategic architect of all the wonderful Barbie stuff. So as now chief strategy officer of BBDO New York, Crystal's responsible for bringing marketing science, strategic rigor, and insights farther upstream in the client relationship to ensure every aspect of the work is focused on developing compelling stories that penetrate culture, change behavior, and drive results. And um, the wonderful thing about knowing Crystal as long as I have known her is that I can tell you that she is an incredible simplifier, which is one of the most important traits that a strategic thinker can have, I think. And she's able to boil everything down to one simple thought, and that's why creatives love working with her. So without further ado, um, the first question I have, Crystal, is just if you would share with everyone how you got into advertising and why.
1: Okay. How did I get into advertising? Um, I followed a boy to San Francisco. Is that honest enough? That's honest. Yep. I did. Uh, and then I had to find a college that was suitable, um, once I was in San Francisco. Uh, and so I found my way into ad school, um, and I thought maybe I would be a creative, uh, and I was forced to take a strategy class, um, and I had to write my very first brief for a Speedo. The bathing um, suit. Yeah. The bathing suit. The tiny, tiny male bathing suit. Yep. <laughs> And uh, everyone was presenting their briefs, and the teacher was just tearing them apart. Um, and uh, he uh, is a brilliant strategist in San Francisco, actually. Um, so I think I think John John is still at Goodby, um, and he was tearing everyone apart. And then he got to mine, and he said, "Oh, that's a brief." And then I decided in that moment. I'm probably gonna do that. If I got that lucky on my first try, I'm gonna I'm gonna do more of that. Um, because let's just say it wasn't going so well on the creative side of the house. <laughs> so it was just through positive reinforcement that I stumbled into it. Um, I actually began my career as an intern at BBDO in San Francisco. Um, so it's intern season uh, and I get really, really excited because Jim was graciously Uh, Allowed me to come there every day for free. Um, So that that is how. how
0: Back when that was legal.
1: Yeah. Well, I got school. I got school credit. It was different. (laughs) It was different then. Um, So yeah, that was my entry into the business.
0: DVD of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, um, so um, one of the things I think that's really interesting, as you have now had a, a, a successful career, is to look back and think about that very beginning when you're looking up at the business yeah. from being a student and now looking back on, you know, interns coming in and young people who are entering your team and this organization. And I'm curious what your thoughts are on just what are the traits, you know, we have the BBO values, Absolutely. but what are the personal traits that you think make people successful in our agency, in our business?
1: Yeah. Um, I was an intern and so I asked what would it take to get hired? and Nick, of course, our dear friend, um, the gentleman who was leading planning at the time said, just be as useful as possible and people will want you to stay. Um, and I still do that every day on every project. Um, I think, you know, the best people love this business. They don't love their job or their title or the brand that I work on. They really do love being in advertising, um, and so just really being committed to help in any way possible. Um, uh, and so yeah, it was, it was about being useful. Um, and, and part of that as a planner is to take things that are really complicated or challenges or briefs that seem overwhelming and make it, as you say, as, as simple as possible. So the relationship between useful and simple. Um, I think has been sort of at the core of of my entire journey in this.
0: this it seems like there's a lot of a, a lot of forces, a lot of thinking, a lot of people who have a habit of making things more complicated. Yeah. And the person who can make it simpler is the one who is most useful. <laughs>
1: turns out. It turns out.
0: That's funny. Um, I love that. Be useful. So, um, when you look back now at your career thus far, yep. and I should say just thus far, because although you have a, a incredibly important senior position, um, you've still got a lot of career ahead of you, which is a nice way of saying you're very young. <laughs> um, but I'm curious what, if you look back on, on your career thus far and say, are there any key decisions you made along the way that were really great in hindsight? And any, especially, actually, that are the opposite, where you thought, like, gosh, I should have, now looking back, I should have done something a little bit differently. Mm. Um, but, I mean, it's all learning along the way. And
1: Yeah. Um, one of each, is that helpful? Sure. Uh, I, it, it happened in San Francisco on Commercial Street. Linda knows where that is. Um, uh, and uh, I was working on a brief, mm-hmm. um, and the planner and the head of planning um, had me doing all the desk work And, uh, I had gone to lunch and I came back and there was a glass conference room similar to this one. So when you walked into reception, you could see who was in the conference room. And there was an internal meeting about the project I was working on. And I went back to my desk and I called a friend and I was like, oh, I didn't get invited and blah, 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 and this, that, and the other. And the friend said, why are you on the phone? (laughs) <laughs> and I said, what? And the friend said, hang up the phone and go in the room. Um, and I did that. Uh, and I think uh, that was a really important like, moment in my development. Um, uh, there's never going to be a seat at the table for everyone, um, but you can find a polite way to make a seat at the table. Uh, and I've just been kind of pushing my, <laughs> my way in um, ever, ever since. Um, and it was, it was terrifying and awkward for everyone. Um, but, uh, in the end, I I think it worked out okay. Great. So, so I, I, that's one of those, like, I remember it. Vividly. Perfectly. Um, you know, I think the, the ones that don't, um, go well, um, is, is, uh, patience. There were, and you know this, I would get so impatient, um, either with a client that wasn't buying the right work Or, you know, a project that wasn't going my way or whatever it was. Um, I think the hardest lesson I've had to learn, and the examples are countless, Mm -hmm. where I was just too impatient. Um, And when you're impatient, you're not not listening to understand. You're listening to to respond. Um, And I think that's one of those, like, nuances I've had to really, really learn and continuously practice. Um, because my impatience often gets
2: the, the best of me.
0: That's, that's great advice. And and um, it is one of those things that as you grow up in your career and in life to some degree, you look back on things and time spans change, Yeah. right? Yeah. And when you've been in the business a year, if you haven't been able to make a campaign, yeah. it seems like you've been in the business forever, forever and you haven't made a campaign. But as you kind of go through life, you realize that there's different clients have different paces and different tempos, and you sort of have to learn to to ride the wave that you're on. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, So um, let's talk a little bit about the subject of just female leadership, specifically within being a great leader. And I'm always torn on this a little bit, because the the whole notion of this discussion series has been that it never occurred to me that Scylla or Kirsten are female leaders in advertising and just, they're just fantastic leaders. Yeah. And so I'm just curious about your thoughts on that topic and, you know, your view as a woman rising so rapidly in our industry to the top of one of the biggest strategy departments in the, in the world.
1: Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I have two hearts um, about it. And, um, uh, you know, from a personal experience Um, like you, I think you're responsive. I never thought about women as advertising. I just thought of them as advertising. Um, One thing I'm really grateful in my career is all of the great men that I've worked with. Mm. You, David, Andrew you've always approached it very much like you said, which is just like, who's doing great shit? We want them on the team. Um, and I think that's why BBDO is ahead of the curve in terms of numbers, um, because we're about the work, the work, the work. Everyone is evaluated on their contribution to the work. And I think that's, that, that clear purpose has shed um, some of the barriers, not, not all. Um, so in that way, I'm obviously very grateful and, and very positive. Uh, I think one of the things uh, that I had to really investigate and understand um, was unconscious bias um, and realizing that it's happening all the time by all people, um, and it's most of the time unintentional and unaware, um, and there's things I'm doing to contribute to the unconscious bias, and there's things that people are, are, are doing. Um, And that is still a major, major issue. Um, Oftentimes when I was confronted with unconscious bias, people would go, my favorite line, really? You think it's because you're a woman? It's not maybe your age? Hmm. And I'd be like, yes and yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> um, those are both biases, in which you have now said it's okay. Don't worry about their gender; it's your age that's really the problem. Um, so, like, I always laugh because that was always the gender response when I had gender issues. Was like, no, um, it's age, um, which I think is is a huge industry problem as well. Like, right. we're incredibly, we have a huge, massive age bias, um, and so unconscious bias. I think is something that we all really need to study and learn, um, so that we can proactively, um, change the behavior because so much of the things that keeps women, um, from reaching their full potential or taking on leadership roles are microaggressions, um, that are often unintentional. Hmm. Um, and Part of my job now as a leader is to name those things, call them out, hmm. um, which is sometimes uncomfortable. You know, what's like, an
0: example of that? So just people can.
1: Yeah, um, the language people use in performance reviews. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, if 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 a, a, a male um, is very ambitious, he's aggressive, he has hustle, he's a go-getter. Um, you know, oftentimes the language can change when it's uh, it's 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 a female. Um, so those are the types of things um, that I think you know unconsciously people um, judge. Um, right. I think as a leader, um, sometimes it's very difficult because as a woman, um, if if I make a decision, um, people are like, oh, she's she only wants to do it one way, she's bossy, she's that. Hmm. And um, you know, I've definitely had it in my performance reviews. And I said, I've never seen Andrew or David change their mind ever. They're steadfast in their point of view, and no one has ever asked them to work on that Um, because it's their responsibility as the leader to make the call. And because of gender structures, um, we're more comfortable with men asserting their power than women. Um, But I also don't stay angry about it. Um, because it's unconscious, it's societal, it's power structures and power dynamics. So I like to talk about them. I like to call it out. I like to name it, because um, I don't think people are guilty. I think we have a societal issue that we need to reeducate and retrain ourselves
0: on. Right. So that was it, a
1: long. No, I love question, that. That's
0: a great answer because I think for a lot of people, the notion of unconscious bias sometimes is the whole idea of unconscious—you don't know you're doing mm-hmm. it. And mean, yeah, but I would never do this. Mm-hmm. like what you're pointing out is that we all do it
1: all the time,
0: and it's part of society. It's part of corporate, the corporate world. It's part of of um, just the structure of schools. Probably the way kids are, you know, get report cards when they're in second grade. It's probably built into a lot of those yeah. things. Yeah. So the the recognition as a leader now of being able to call it out so that people can just correct that behavior yeah. is really yeah. critical to the, fixing it, or at least yeah. getting on the road to fixing it.
1: Yeah. So I, I heard a brilliant speaker um, say that, that we should shift the vocabulary away from um, hard conversations to courageous conversations. Hmm. Um, and the idea is we often avoid hard conversations, um, but if we started applauding each other's bravery for having courageous conversations, A, it sounds less confrontational, mm-hmm. um, and it's, um, it's a very ambitious Admirable way to to approach things, and um, so oftentimes when I find myself having to have a hard conversation, it helps to, to reframe it.
0: I love the that those little shifts which you've always been brilliant at, yeah. by the way, of like a word change that makes you think differently from hard conversation to courageous conversations. I've always had the theory that um, in the world of dysfunctional, crazy agency life, yeah. that an agency is as um, functional as you are willing to have hard conversations yeah so like the as the curve goes it, up no on, it,
1: it's it's this planner this, chart hard, Jim.
0: yeah it's the planner chart
1: the triangle chart
0: hard conversations <laughs> go up so does dysfunction <laughs> yeah yeah uh, or hard conversations you're unwilling to have yeah as long as you're willing to yeah. have them it's fantastic um that's great very insightful and um as you think i guess about um Now looking around the BBDO network versus looking around the industry of advertising, do you see any differences um, in terms of approach or best practice that has allowed you know people like uh, Ella Stewart and Sila Snowball to to thrive in that environment? Sorry. Say
1: it again. Is there an,
0: in, is there anything that BBDO does differently, yeah. you think, or is it just a matter of leadership? You know, and yeah. I, I think it's,
1: I think it's leadership, and I, I think it's the focus on the work. Yeah. Um, when everyone is oh, evaluated okay. on the same criteria, which is output, right? Um, it it we know what the gold standard looks like. Right. I think that's that's how um, mm-hmm. we maybe got ahead of the curve unintentionally, um, and I think now um, that rightfully everyone's refocused on making sure it's. A proactive activity. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a ton of really interesting um, programs that agencies are putting into place. I think this is one. Again, just having the conversation and starting a dialogue mm-hmm. is, is critical. Um, here in uh, New York, we have something called BBO Voices, um, and there are subcommunities around key topics or concerns that people feel,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and they are exactly what they sound like. It's just a bunch of people getting together and having a conversation. Um, I think we also just have more intentionality. Um, So working uh, with the global uh, BPDO planning community to relaunch a a planning philosophy Um, and uh, we invited some of the best planners from all of the offices, uh, San Francisco, had Tim and crew um, attend. And when we asked for people to nominate who should come to BPDO University, um, I was like, I need to see the list to make sure that it's 50-50 mm-hmm. um, and I was pleasantly surprised because the list was naturally um, balanced oh, right. and fair. Right. So you can see the intentionality mm-hmm. of people going, you know what, I need to stop and I need to make sure that muscle memory isn't overtaking what's, what's right, right and fair.
0: It's, it's always fascinating to me. I know we've done several internal studies on, on this topic of just looking at the numbers and trying to understand some of the factors. And it's always fascinating that um, in the creative department, it's one of the areas where there's just not enough mm-hmm. representation. Do you have any data or, or even just gut theories on why that might be?
1: I have, um, I have a complete hot take. And as a planner with no empirical evidence to state this, um, forgive me. Um, but uh, I think it goes back to um, feedback, feedback. And um, we are more comfortable receiving feedback and instruction from men Mm. than women. And that has plenty of science behind it. And so I think in a department where you're constantly being judged and you're constantly in a feedback loop, I think we unconsciously are more comfortable with creative directors um, being men. And I don't know that we've ever acknowledged that before, right. um, but I think it's, it's it's very difficult. And you hear anecdotally um, where if some creative directors give the feedback, it's expected to be a change. And when women feed, give the feedback, it's a consideration. Right. Um, and so you don't see as much movement in the creative evolution sometimes as a female creative director as you do a, a male That's fascinating. And and that's just because we're a patriarchal society and a lot of our discipline and feedback and that sort of thing was, you know, wait till your father gets home. Um, And and so we're comfortable and we've always seen men in charge, so we're very comfortable with that kind of direction coming from guys.
0: Not in my house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Trisha's laying down the law. You're a softie, that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah.
0: but it's a fascinating theory and it's something that, like you said, it mean, just by having the conversation to be able to put that out there and then you become more conscious yeah. of it and it's out in the open. Yeah. So now discuss, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, okay, let's shift gears a little bit. I'm curious about team building mm. and, um, I think it's one of the most important things that we do as an agency is yep. to try very deliberately to win the talent competition of yeah. the global of, of advertising globally and just, you know, our industry. How do you approach hiring, the interview process, anything you can share on, you know, um, things you've learned along the way about how to how to think about building a team?
1: Hmm, interesting. Um, I think uh, probably the trap is saying we need the rock star, the unicorn, and inserting the name that is familiar associated to that
2: behavior. So, hmm.
1: oh. I need, a, I need a rock star for this role. I need someone just like Jim. I need another Jim. Um, hmm. right? Because our brains work in analogy. As planners, we're always trying to give people the analogy for this problem. Right. Um, so it's totally human nature. But I think from a, um, a talent perspective, we often use people as analogy. And what that does is it makes us more homogenous in our thinkers and the types of people um, that we look for. Um, so I think that's a trap that I try to avoid.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think another one is um, uh, being envious of other agencies and then assuming because the agency's great talent from there is great. Um, uh, so I like to find people with really interesting backgrounds, um, especially as planning is changing. Um I'm more interested in people who have solved really hard problems Mm -hmm. uh, more so than their like planning pedigree. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the reality is most of our clients right now because entire categories are disappearing are facing really hard challenges that they've never had to solve before. Um, So having a great playbook isn't really helpful anymore Um, because the plays just aren't aren't as effective. So, um, you know, people that just like Solving hard problems are probably going to be best for this business right now. Um, you know, the people that realize it's—I I call planning Tetris because um, mm. you don't get to determine any of the pieces. You just have to figure out how to lay them as quickly as possible um, to put points on the board. <laughs> uh, that is my planning great. philosophy and I think a lot of times people want to change the pieces and it's like no we can't change the product that they sell we can't change the DNA we can't change the personality of the people we're selling to
2: Right.
0: so
1: we have to find a way to just arrange it so that it can move
0: I love that <laughs> They're, all <pretty> <laughs> They're
1: all coming down. You just have to arrange them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what
0: about inter- what about the interview process itself? Like, yeah. how long do you typically take for an interview? Do you set uh, half an hour, an hour, um, forty-five minutes?
1: Uh, it goes one of two ways. It's um, fifteen minutes or forty-five.
0: Hmm. Why?
1: Um. Uh, because we spend a ton of time with people in advertising. Um, and so, therefore, the people that we work with have to be gracious and kind and interesting or our jobs will be
2: brutal. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, in the first 15 minutes, if anyone doesn't clearly have just what I would call my mom and dad rules, um, I don't need to know how smart they are um, because I don't need their brain. I need human first. Um, so, that's, that, that one's really quick. Um, and then uh, the 45-minute um, is, is really where you start to really interrogate sort of the, the skill set, um, uh, the experience, um, their passion, their interest, um, you know, how articulate uh, they are.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, it takes about that long for someone to actually get comfortable,
0: you right, know? Right,
1: right. Um, yeah. Do you
0: have a favorite interview question or questions?
1: Yeah. I always close my interviews with... Um, two questions. There was the last two questions. Um, what do you suck at? What's your Achilles heel? Um, and really in that I'm just looking, um, for someone who's willing to be vulnerable. Um, so I love when a person is like, I hate this, or I'm disastrous at that. Um, I don't like any of the softball responses. Like
0: I work too hard. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs>
1: Exactly. 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 Um, uh, and then I always ask um, them their favorite interview question that they've been asked from other people. Mm. Um, and again, it's a great demonstration of A, them being a listening to understand versus listening to respond. Mm. Um, because right. if you're in an interview, of course you're listening to respond. Um, and so you won't remember any of the questions anyone asked you. You'll just have a, oh, I, think I, I think that went okay. Um, so I love Hearing them play back um, great questions, and I'm learning inadvertently then from my peer set, um, and I can I can um, make myself better and smarter and and more inquisitive um, when I meet
0: folks. That's great. So it's it's yeah, you're interviewing them, but you're also using it as a tool to accumulate more knowledge and yep. improve your own game. Yeah. Um, I love the fifteen forty five rule. That's I am stealing that immediately. That is fantastic. When I, I would love to just get into like the the detail of how to do strategy a little bit, okay. Because I think obviously you've seen in in your career an evolution of what's changed in our industry, and so the first question is just what's different from when you you know started as an, an intern or at maybe your first planning job, which was yeah. also BBO San Francisco. I yeah, thought. there were two
1: planners. So my internship was pretty much a real job. Yeah.
0: yeah. You were deputy head of <laughs> planning.
1: Yeah, by, just by <laughs> the nature of it, yeah.
0: Um, and I'm just curious for your you know, first blush, like what's different then and now?
1: Um, creatives need us. Um, I think that's been the biggest transformation. Um, when you work at a shop like PBDO, where the creative talent is literally best in class, they are creative problem solvers. Um, and yes, they're brilliant at the craft piece, um, but they're intuitive and smart and interested in humans. Um, so they can get to an insight and a brief on their own. And so there was a time when if you, if you blew it on the brief, they'd come up with something good um, or better than you did. So they didn't right. need planning. Mm. Um, you had to be a really good planner to add value because the creative talent is um, – So good. I still believe that's true, Um, but I think the complexity of category dynamics, shifting business models, um, and then how brands have to behave differently, not just show up and and speak differently, um, that education and that knowledge, um, I think is becoming, you know, creatives are thirsty for it because the types of ideas um, that creatives have to come back with to solve problems are in so many more shapes and sizes and formats and technologies than before. Um, It requires more input and more inspiration um, than they necessarily have in their gut. Um, So it's creating this thirst for planning expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, Clients are also uh, more uncertain because the playbooks aren't running uh the way that they were. Um, so a deep understanding of business and also having data knowledge and credibility um, mm-hmm. is really important because when we have when we know our clients' business as well or better than they do, um, we can build confidence. Um, and that confidence um, will help us sell braver work faster. Um, and so I think that's a new responsibility. Of the planners is mitigating creative churn. Um, a, there's a real business value to that. Yeah. Uh, as resources are low, we don't want to waste those hours. Um, and we all have a ton on our plate. So, rebriefs and multiple rounds is a soul crusher. Um, so, if the planner can get really, really credible in the business problem and the strategy at hand and the data that supports each execution that we show, clients are ready to buy. Um, and that's good for everyone because we get to make more great stuff.
0: Right, so right. Those are some of them. Um, when you say have a deep understanding of business, I'm just curious for uh, what are the inputs that you use. So not necessarily, or maybe it's two pieces. One is within a specific client brief or yeah. task. Though I'm getting to know the chocolate industry for yeah. Snickers, or but more broadly, I'm also curious what things you use as inputs. As either constant, meaning day by day, yeah. what to read, or um, you know, do, are you a person who reads business books? Like, what do you use to sort of educate yourself yeah. on those things?
1: Um, I've never finished a marketing or planning book.
0: <laughs> Have you started any? Oh, plenty. <laughs>
1: Um, but usually I go to the index and just flip for the analog that I need to steal or the quote and move on. Um, so no, and that's, uh, that, that's not a good practice. I don't recommend that. That's just me again, being honest. Um, no, I, um, I really love business journalism. Um, I think journalists are the closest thing to planners Um, because they're ingesting as much technical information as possible and then getting it down into a really succinct Mm -hmm. article um, that is obviously backed by fact and can be proven, um, but is interesting enough that someone reads it. Right. (laughs) Um, So I do. I I like the business Mm -hmm. trades. um, And I've always been a bigger fan of magazines than books. Um, The New Yorker is about as many words as I I can handle. Um, So yeah, I I think that's a big one. I... I uh, uh, I am religious in reading the analyst reports in the categories that I work in. Those people are much um, smarter and groomed to have a business mind. Um, I'm never going to be educated the way I are, so I'm just going to suck all of their expertise. Um, so analyst reports is a big deal for me. Um, and annual reports the first thing I do on a pitch is I pull the annual report. All the answers are there in terms of their fears, their bets, um, and their their missteps. Right. And so I always always start there. I think, um, Nick gave me this advice, is um, the best planners assume that everyone's smarter than them, um, which is counterintuitive because as a planner, everyone wants you to be the smartest person in the room. Ugh. It's a lot of pressure and uh, I gave up on it a long time ago.
2: Um,
1: and so by assuming everyone is smarter, go to the experts. Um, don't try to become the expert um, and that allows you to get a really total view of things really quickly.
2: Um, so.
0: That's great advice. Um, I would love to just talk for a second about data. It, I, saw this article a year or so ago, you were quoted in this article in ad exchange. It was like an interview and you talked about the emerging role of data Mm -hmm. in our creative process. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you could just talk just a a little bit about, I mean, data's, you know, something
1: that everyone's favorite buzzword. Exactly.
0: But just your view on how it affects, you know, the, the process today for a creative thinker.
1: Yeah. Um, so first I'll give you all the caveats around data. Um, it's ones and zeros um, most of it's garbage it's not magical um, and data doesn't equal insight like I just feel like I have to go on the record uh, uh, about what uh, data, data is um, but what I love about it as a, as a planner is that we no longer have to rely on what people say they do we can know based on the access to behavioral data. Um, So like most planners, I love ethnographic research, I love observation, I love human behavior. um, And there's a lot of observation and human behavior sitting in the data. Um, And so that gets really exciting to me. And historically, that same data set has only been used for media efficiency. No one's ever looked at it in this way. Um, and that's why sometimes the data is unfriendly or not useful it's because the people have been mining it for a very specific purpose Um, and now we have the opportunity to mine it for um, a different purpose which is creative insight um, and behavioral insight Um, so in that way I'm really really excited about it Um, but it's still new um, and it takes uh, it's a (coughs) Using big data and marketing science is a creative exercise. Um, it's, a, it's a brainstorming of hypothesis and what ifs and seeing what's real and what's not real. It doesn't really answer any big open-ended uh, questions. Um, so I think sometimes we've, we have too much expectation on it. Um, it's still going to be, you know, um, there's a great quote that um, insights, insights are made, not found. Um, and I think that really, really holds true um, for data. The insight is not found in the data. It's the planner taking that leap. It's the planner triangulating this fact and that fact um, that will reveal the makings of, of an insight. But that's, that's our craft as planners, the same way that, you know, creatives mm-hmm. have craft. Yeah. Um, you have to make the insight. It's not going to be. Found in the when,
0: when you talk about uh, hypothesis and then kind of digging it mm-hmm. could you walk us through an example like anything from a campaign that you've worked on or something yeah. just so that people have an illustration yeah. of what that yeah how that plays um, out
1: i'm gonna go back to one all the way in my caesar days um because i think it it's still true it's just plannering um so uh at the time uh caesar caesar loved them back wildly successful growing at double digits Um, And then all of a sudden, um, the brand started to stabilize. And mostly because it was just maturing as a brand. Somehow we were to blame for that. (laughs) You may recall. Um, And uh, we weren't meeting the objectives. And in a moment of frustration, I said, well, who made the objective? And are there even enough dogs in the planet to reach that? And I said, wait a second, maybe there's not. And we used household penetration data of small dogs and dog weight. Um, and we basically discovered that we would have to give away puppies um, if we were going to meet the sales goal um, because the client had done the math wrong <laughs> um, on household penetration of small dogs. Um, and so that was like, okay, uh, we're going to need a strategy where we give away
2: small puppies.
1: Um, so I give that one as really old because people think that it's changed and it, it hasn't um, It's about the curiosity and then the willingness to go investigate and look for um, the evidence a more a more contemporary version if I must uh, using marketing science. Um, we uh, recently I'm trying to pick one uh, uh, let's see I'll pick uh, one on Macy's a newer client of ours, um, holiday is a big deal for them, a really big deal. And they have an existing segmentation of the uh, fashionista, like all clients have great names. Um, and they're like, we have to win holiday with fashionistas. Um, and we're like, okay, let's go find out all we can about fashionistas. Um, and then we were said, okay, thank you very much. Let's look at just buying behavior in the holiday season. And so we did a different um audience run to understand all the shopping behaviors. Um and the two didn't match. Hmm. Um so it was a time where we said um that we actually argued with the brief and said, "Okay, what's the cultural context around holiday and what are the behaviors there?" When we looked at the cultural context and the behaviors in Holiday, the attitudes, the demos, none of it matched the client segmentation. Um, So what we were able to do is ingest their first-party data around their existing fashionista audience and overlay that with the prime prospect as we understood it, which was... um, um, we call them ambitious gift givers because mm-hmm. um, that's when they show love and impress their loved ones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and we actually found a new target, which is should, if all goes well, not only going to have a higher propensity to shop at Macy's, but their ticket value will be
0: worth more. Interesting. Um,
1: so that's that's an example so the, of using... So
0: if I understand yeah. this right, the, the fashionista is someone who shops a lot and likes to buy clothes, mm-hmm. but it sounds like they're not necessarily shopping at the holiday
1: exactly. themselves...
0: That's a different person. Mm-hmm. It's the gift giver mm-hmm. because the fashionista might be shopping the other well, she, ten months of the year. Yeah,
1: constantly shopping.
0: Right. Yeah. So there's no, okay. That's interesting. Um,
1: yeah. So that, that's great. an example.
0: Well, that's a great segue into my next question, which is um, uh, just about the work in general. And I'm curious from all the campaigns that you've been a part of, what is your personal favorite work?
2: Oh.
0: If you can pick a favorite.
2: Can I pick a favorite?
0: Or you can pick a couple. Um. I'm just curious about you know, not just the the output, but sort of like the the why behind it.
1: Um, The ones that come to mind all share the same thing, which um, is at the core of them, they all have this brilliant human truth um, that was just brought to life in the most magical way. Um, And because it's in a deep human truth, um, they're evergreen, like these ideas that I mm-hmm. love in my head, which I'll mm-hmm. rattle off. Will all be here for a long time? Um, so love them back. Um, it's only two words off from the strat line in the brief, uh, and the tagline still exists today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that was 13 years ago. is like crazy? Is it that long ago? Maybe, maybe 10. Um, uh, Barbie, same deal this moment in Barbie's history will forever change the course of it unless someone comes in and wrecks it. Um, but people will remember this moment. Um, and uh, Ms. Brown um, with M&Ms. Uh, they're artifacts in culture. Right. Um, and I think a lot of times in advertising, there's a lot of ideas that get a lot of press, but there are few ideas that truly penetrate culture. Um, so those tend to be my favorite when we like to think advertising is a cultural exercise for the most part it's a commercial exercise
0: right and that's fine right
1: um but the real the real stars are the ones that you feel convert
0: and those, so that's those are the ones that um that you're most proud of yeah because it's it's not just an output that's lovely yeah in the conference room it's an output that's
1: the world was like oh I'm glad to see that.
0: That's great. Um, One of the things I should point out for everyone um, back at the office is for anyone who's ever seen the books that we still have lying around there, which was the BBDO San Francisco Study of Movements, um, Crystal was the co-author and co-architect of that book, which actually um, at the time our office was quite a bit smaller than it is today. It was probably 30 people and that book that little black book made a tour around the world of bbdo very very quickly because of how brilliant it was frankly at analyzing studying social movements and looking into sort of how we could apply that in marketing um so i'm curious as you look back on that just i guess what did you learn from just that whole experience yeah. of digging into that because it was such a it was such a um it was a big undertaking it was a thesis for a on very his, small uh, on, group of people.
1: Yeah, yeah on on cultural um, and historical movements. Um, I think exactly that. I mean, it's funny now that you bring it up in context to, to my previous answer. That's what it was, is a deep understanding of what changes people's behavior and culture and how things shift. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it was probably incredibly um, informative, and now it's probably just the way – the way, the way that I approach um the problem mm-hmm. um,
0: we still to this day this is probably what it's all 13 yeah. years later um, we still get requests occasionally from like a BBDO office somewhere around the world yeah like, do we still have that book yeah that we could send over yeah,
1: yeah. um uh, I was uh, invited to Ireland recently to to present it and I had to like go to like you know a hard drive in my drawer and be like do I have the notes for this um no it's it's it's, it's also just one of those, like, it's anything. Like, we just, as I said, learn from the experts. Yeah. Many historians had studied what creates big sh- seismic shifts in culture. Yeah. Um, and we just, just took all of it as we could.
0: Yeah. Um, that's a perfect segue, actually, to my next question, which is about learning from others. Yep. And so as someone who's, who's seen... Great leaders and probably lousy ones as well, frankly. Along sure. the path of your career, I'm curious about what are the things that you've consciously taken from the really good leaders yeah. you've watched yeah. that you now use to uh, in your role as a leader who's yeah. shaping this industry.
1: Um, you know, I, I I'm sure you feel this way. I constantly wonder um, what we could be doing differently, and you know, and I constantly find moments where I'm like not the best way to handle that um, but I think maybe that's what it is, leadership is is to realize that you're responsible um, for everyone having the best possible experience um, it, it's really not about being in charge you know right. um, and, and so I think one of the things is really just intentionality and listening for understanding um and and making space um for everyone to to, to be heard um because when i think about the most frustrating times in my career it's when i didn't feel like anyone made space for me um and if we invite them to be here we should maximize their ability to contribute mm-hmm. um so i think that's one of my my I think probably the thing I say most often is, "Let me know what I can move out of the way." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my leadership style, which is like, "Let me, like, let me remove friction. Let me take down the barriers. You know, whatever, whatever's blocking, whatever's um, either personally or, you know, bandwidth or skill set." And um, I think that's it. It's just really trying to help alleviate uh, friction. In that's anyone's path, that's like the best, right. and and I probably can't do much more than that. <laughs> but uh,
0: um, that is a really cool image. Let me <laughs> let me know what I can get out of the way because uh, someone who we all know very well, um, David Lubars. Mm-hmm. When I first met David, his passion and energy in my head, I pictured him as one of those special snowplows that <laughs> they have at in Minneapolis, yeah. where the snow piles up so high, and it's like a Got a point on the yeah. front and it just shoots the snow out. Yeah. And he's like that all the time. He's like, what do I have to push out of the way to get where this is going? Yeah. And so I, I love that um, phrase. Let me know what I can move out of the way. Yeah. Okay, I'm, use I'm stealing that too. Uh, this is what's great about these interviews. Is I've learned so yeah. much. Yeah. Um, okay, so this one, is, this is my, my last um, question, which for some of the people that I talk to, has a different meaning because they're looking back from a different stage. But what advice would you give your 30 year old self right now, which is not that long ago, no. but, um, the point being sort of, as you look back, you know, mm. what are the things that you now say, you know, um, I have a different understanding and insight into sort of the way my career intersects with my life.
2: Um.
1: Because, like you say, it's not that long ago. Uh, but it's been a really busy
0: couple of years. Couple of
1: years. Um, I think I think I'd say uh, be more kind. Um, kind to myself, kind to others. Um, you know, I think sometimes we all have so much on, and we all have, um, you know, and I mean that both professionally and personally. Um, uh, that that we can put exceptional amount of pressure and expectation on ourselves and each other, I and mean, we get so easily frustrated when people don't meet our expectation or something just doesn't go our way. Um, you know, I think I think that would be it. Be be more kind to to the verbal abuse that was happening here for sure, um, but also um, you know giving that that kindness to others because when people are behaving badly, either they're not being considerate or they're rude or they're missing a deadline, it's probably because they had to not because they wanted to.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And there's probably something else, some other force that's influencing that. Mm -hmm. Um, so assume a positive intent and then kindly try to figure out how to approach the, the issue.
0: Um, that's definitely Sage advice, even though it's not that long ago. Yeah. Um, well, I want to see, we have a little bit, maybe yeah. five yeah. or ten minutes. Yeah. Is there any, I want to see if there are any questions from the team in San Francisco. Hello. How are you?
2: Christine is coming over. Sorry, going. can I have my back? You guys have so rude.
1: Yes. You, okay. Totally. No, kidding. <laughs> uh How's Duncan going? Shit, man. Um, no. Um, uh, okay. Uh, no. Duncan is is going really well. Um, you know, Duncan is um, a retail business. Um, it's fast. Um, they measure sales um, every day at four o'clock. So there's constant feedback loop. Um, so so Duncan is is fast and furious. Um, but it's also great because the clients. Um, are so appreciative of the agency and the partnership and just the caliber of, of the, of the team. Um, and so that's really, really nice. And for the first time in my career, um, I think we're going to make a piece of work from the pitch. Wow. Never happened. That's
0: historic. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
1: so yeah, it's, it's all right.
0: Thanks, Christina. Nick, are you coming up to the front? I, I can't tell if there's... Okay, there's a microphone.
1: It's Nicole. Hi, guys. I lost my voice. <laughs> Hi, guys. Um, so anyone who knows you knows you are extremely intelligent and um, isn't really, I think, at all that surprised you are where you are today at such a young age. Um, but I'm curious if there's specific things that you had to learn or cultivate within yourself to... Um, overcome maybe being the youngest person in the room, overcome maybe being the only woman in the room, um, or any barriers that I didn't mention, but things that you had to cultivate, um, to be in the sort of the unique position that you are as chief strategy officer at such a young age. And I think the first female for BBDO in that role. Uh, things I've learned, uh, probably two and they're very different, um, the first is say yes and figure it out later. Um, whatever it was, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and I think I think that was um, and that was all things. There's you know um, problems I didn't know how to solve, situations I weren't I wasn't comfortable with. Um, you know I think BBDO is very entrepreneurial um, and they will give you the opportunities. Um, and Andrew says this all the time, um, you know, it's the person when you pass them the ball that will take the shot. Um, and that's what he looks for. Uh, I didn't know it. I found that out, you know, recently at dinner. Uh, so thank goodness, um, uh, <laughs> that, that, that that's one, you know what I mean is, is, is take the shot. Um, and you may miss and that's okay. Um, but people will respect that you're willing to always step up, um, and take the shot. Um and that's hard to do um, because you will definitely, definitely fail. Um, but you'll also have a higher hit rate just because you're taking more shots. So uh, <laughs> there's that. Um and practice, right? Uh, so so that's probably one. Uh I think the other is um is something I've already mentioned, um, which is listening for understanding. Um I think it's really easy as a person who is ambitious, um, and eager to, to contribute, um, to feel as though they have to prove themselves. Um, and I don't know about you, but I find that some people get themselves in the most trouble. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, which is, you don't have anything to prove. Um, you're, you're in this building because people respect you and think that you're talented. Um, you don't work at PPDO unless you meet that qualification. We say our unfair share of exceptional talent. Uh, I think you have to believe. I think you have to believe that, um, and then you um, just have to show up with a calmness and um, a comfort level. Um, you know, so so I think I think that's probably it. Which is like the minute I stopped trying so hard to prove myself, and I just. Did the best work I could with the best attitude I could. I got farther faster. Um, So maybe maybe Um, that was it.
0: You mentioned just as a quick follow up. You mentioned you know the person who's willing to take the shot and you're going to miss a lot. Yeah. So I think um, I'm just curious if there's anything you've learned along the way about how to fail well. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Again. Don't try to be the hero. If things go wrong. It's really good to have a lot of people on the boat. Um, Cause then it's, you know, you can just, you can, it's harder to tell who actually, uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, maybe kidding. But um no, but that's, that's the thing is like, take the shot, take accountability, take responsibility. Um, but that doesn't mean don't collaborate. And I think sometimes, you know, there's taking the shot and there's being a ball hog <laughs> and those are different those are those are different um, so I think you know when you take the, you're willing to take the shot but you're still very much open and humble and collaborative um, you'll find that you'll fail less because there's more people to help you right. um, and when you do fail it's a shared responsibility
0: I love the uh, the comparison of <laughs> taking the shot being willing to take the shot versus being a ball hog yeah one of the things that when when I Interview people that I often ask for is their team sports mm-hmm. experience, yeah. Whether it's high school, college, or other, yeah. Because there's so much you can find out about a person by asking, you know, what the team was like yeah. or what you learned from being on a team. Yeah, and that is that's that's my new favorite they're, question. They're different,
1: and I think that's the hardest part. Is like we give really bad advice in advertising, not realizing like the what? like the shadow side of what we say. Like you need to show up well in that meeting. Right, so everyone's like, "I'm going to show up," in this. and you're just like, "Whoa!" Everyone, you know, like, like we give we give really bad, we give really bad advice. We don't have subtlety or nuance. I don't know. I just, I just you know,
0: the shadow side the, the shadow side weird. of the advice is right. like, you know, right.
1: We don't work, we don't work the edges very well
0: because um, <laughs> we're um, fast and furious. Well, uh, on uh, this might be, a, I think it's kind of a follow up to the question Nicole was asking, but. Are there any specific skills that you now see in hindsight that any young person, call it anyone in their twenties who's yeah. in our agency could switch on? If they could switch it on, it would level up their game.
1: Yeah. Collaboration. Um, unfortunately, and against shadow side, this business loves stars. Um, every team has a star. Every account has a star. Every department has stars. Um, and I think when you're a junior, you think the aspiration is to be a star. Um, if everyone became experts at uncommon collaboration, um, they would learn so much so fast and the quality of their work would, would be phenomenal. Um, it's one of the things I loved about working in San Francisco, probably the most, um, because we were small and we were lean. Um, we had to work together. Do you mean, or or the work just wasn't going to get done? Um, and that cross collaboration um, meant that I was working with people like you as an intern,
0: uh-huh. um,
1: and that kind of exposure. Um, you know, um, advertising is a teaching hospital, I think, is the best mm-hmm. analogy I've found. Um, and so trying to get yourself to as many great surgeons and fellows as you can um, also um, makes you, you better. Um, and so something we push against here in New York all the time, just because we're bigger and we're more layered and more structured. Um, you know, so, so we're putting in things where, like, when I host a briefing – I invite three junior account people and three junior planners who may never actually be in that briefing naturally just because of our tiers. And and I only do so many briefings, you know what I mean? Right. Um, so that everyone can see, cause that level of exposure, um, I was in hindsight, so grateful for that in San Francisco cause I just saw and learned from more people.
0: Right. Well, um, I took about a page of notes and one of the things that I love about these conversations for me yeah. selfishly yeah. is I learn so much and I steal something good from everyone. And so um among the highlights that I jotted down are early in your career, be useful. Um I my new interview timing is fifteen and forty-five, because I think that's brilliant. And um let me know what I can move out of the way is a just a fantastic attitude towards leadership, I think. And then um, finally, advertising as a teaching hospital is a wonderful metaphor. Yeah. So I have to say, on a personal note, being witness to your,
2: ah, your pushing, career pushing. honestly
0: has been one of the great, great
1: it's
2: been fun. pleasures
0: of my career. So thank you for spending some time with us.
2: Ah, thank you, guys.